0: (laughs) That movie is so uneven. I mean, yeah, half of it rules, but half of it sucks. It's just like Stripes. You could not tell me what happened in the second half of the movie. They get reassigned to Europe to work on a top secret mission concerning the urban assault vehicle.
1: From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today is my newest, bestest buddy, and big toe, my lovely wife, Nikia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic.
0: Big toe.
1: You're my big toe. Every foot needs a big toe.
0: That seems ableist somehow, but okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: On today's episode, we're sitting down for Nakia's first viewing of one of the formative films of my childhood, Ivan Reitman's 1981 comedy, Stripes. Nakia, how on earth have you never seen Stripes?
0: It's not really in my lane. Um...
1: What is your lane? (laughs) How would you describe (laughs) your lane?
0: It's not the comedy that I gravitate towards. So that sort of animal house, caddyshack, that's just not, those are not the films that I go to for a laugh, so...
1: Okay, so let's start there. So how would you describe that lane that is not your lane?
0: That sort of, I mean, it's that very male-driven sort of buddy or ensemble comedy sort of um, frat boy humor, scatological <laughs> in some way. That, that just and, and that's not to say that it isn't good or that I don't understand why people enjoy it. Or or that the people involved in those endeavors aren't extremely talented comics. It's just not the first thing that I go to when I when I want to laugh.
1: I mean it is fairly male yes. oriented.
0: Yes. And white male yes. oriented. Yes.
1: I think these are the films that taught me how to be a man.
0: That is explaining that okay. <laughs> <laughs> Explains a lot. Yes.
1: Okay, so let's let's talk about this film. So the year is 1981, which was the year before you were born. Yes. <laughs> we can call that your conception year, sure. if you will. Sure. I think, you know, you might have been and probably were, in fact, conceived during a screening of, of stripes. Let's just go I with that I can guarantee story.
0: you that my mother never saw <laughs> stripes. <laughs>
1: I, How can you be sure?
0: I'm. I would put everything <laughs> I own on the fact that she has never seen. Stripes. I'm, I'm going to ask her. You please do. And
1: she's going to say, "Of course, I've seen stripes." She will say no. Everybody I, on I the planet has seen wager stripes.
0: I that she may not have seen <clears throat> any Bill Murray film. What? I think that's, that's very possible. No way. Very possible.
1: No way. Very possible. Okay, we need to do the unenthusiastic mother-in-law.
0: <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want to open that door. That'd
1: be a whole different kind <laughs> yeah, of show. you
0: don't want that at all.
1: <laughs> I'd never get a word in.
0: <laughs> I mean, that, again, it's also not her style. That sort of white boy, slacker, asshole, comedy your generation and generations after of of white men have idolized and wanted to be like, that's just not going to be... Do you
1: hear how judgy that sounded? Yes, it
0: should be. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: was way condescending. Yes, it
0: should be. You
1: and your whole generation of white frat boys.
0: You know. And then this is just that sort of slacker comedy, anti-authoritarian thing. Remember, they were getting paid to do it. You guys are not. (laughs)
1: We're off to a good start Aren't already we, this are week. We... Okay, as I started to say, Sorry. this was a great year in film, 1981. Okay. You missed a good year. Did I? Yes. So the big films at the Oscars that year were Chariots of Fire, Reds, and On Golden Pond, actually, which we mm. watched recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got several more classics. That year, including... Classics and quotes. Some of your favorites, mm-hmm. like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Evil Dead.
0: Oh, God.
1: Clash of the Titans. That's a movie you actually like.
0: I, Bebo! I love Clash <laughs> of the Titans.
1: An American Werewolf in London... I could power this podcast for several months on films from 1981 that you still haven't seen but need to see, Mm -hmm. including Arthur, Escape from New York, The Road Warrior, My Dinner with Andre, Scanners, and Time Bandits. All in all, a classic year for cinema.
0: Okay.
1: Stripes was actually the number five film of that illustrious year, Mm -hmm. so it was a pretty big hit. I would argue it is part of the essential Bill Murray canon, which is, of course, an essential canon. I
0: feel like, see, okay, so when we start using words like essential canon and canon just in general, Uh and this happens in colleges and universities as well, (laughs) we're talking about very particular... Set of things that aren't always super inclusive, or what do you mean? I think you know what I mean. No, but I don't, okay, I, don't you go know, I don't,
1: I don't have any idea what, what you point you're it's
0: usually trying to make it. White here. and male is what it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> So, and uh, I think, I think stripes is remembered very fondly, perhaps a little more fondly than it deserves to be remembered, which we will talk about. Okay, but here's an example. Last year, CBS announced it was actually developing a sitcom based on Stripes. That's probably not a good idea. And director Ivan Reitman is involved, apparently. And it's from the comedy troupe The Whitest Kids You Know. Do you remember that show?
0: Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I vaguely remember. Which
1: was funny for about a season and a half, and then, and then it, was it was like, wasn't. okay, they just yeah. ran out of stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but now they're doing this.
1: So, yeah, apparently now they're doing this. And this news was met with, as far as I can tell, almost universal disdain.
0: Well, I think the question comes down to, right, is how much do these films live or die on the people in them? So how much does Stripes live or die by Bill Murray?
1: Almost entirely.
0: (laughs) So I think that's where you get into trouble.
1: (laughs) And uh, so here's a quote from, yeah, see, you you think it's only, you know, white frat boy culture Mm -hmm. that appreciates these films. This article comes from the prestigious journalistic outlet Maxim Magazine.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Right up there with the Washington Post.
1: Um, An article by Steve Huff entitled, There's a Stripes TV show coming to CBS and nothing is sacred anymore. Mm -hmm. So sacred. This film is sacred. Sacrosanct. Yes. Um, And that article begins, Hey, let's crap on the memory of a perfect classic movie comedy with a lame-ass TV show.
0: I mean, isn't that the film and television industry?
1: Yeah, I think that was the at point, is that form? that's what TV
0: does. just what we do does. now?
1: There was an Animal House TV show in the 70s, too, that was terrible.
0: How long did that last?
1: Not the long. The
0: 70s? Oh, wow, okay.
1: Not long at all. All right. They had, you know, three or four of the cast members from the film who were not anybody whose name you know. Mm. Yeah, it was not good. But the point is that Stripes is a perfect classic movie comedy and sacred. Perfect. (laughs) It's actually not.
0: Okay. I want to make sure. All right.
1: Um, Okay. So directed by Ivan Reitman, who had previously done Meatballs with... Bill Murray and Animal House. Later, he would do Ghostbusters, Twins, Space Jam, etc.
0: Space Jam. They were doing that. They were making that with uh, LeBron yes, James. Yes, I know.
1: Yes. <laughs> And I can I just say, let's stop remaking movies that weren't good in the first place. It
0: was fucking awesome. And
1: then what drives me crazy is you get all the arguments on the internet, the same conversation, saying, you know... They were sacred. That movie was yeah. great, how dare they remake it. And so, no, it wasn't great in the first place.
0: <laughs> it was a gross capitalistic endeavor, but I fucking loved it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ivan Reitman originally came up with this idea... Uh, he he originally pitched it as a Cheech and Chong movie. Ah, it was Cheech and Chong join the army. I've was... also
0: never seen a Cheech and Chong film. Yeah,
1: we'll get to that one okay. of these days too. <laughs> That's not really my lane, but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do that. Okay. Yeah, so Cheech and Chong join the army was the was the initial pitch, and he developed that screenplay with writers Len Blum and Daniel Goldberg. Then Cheech and Chong passed. They apparently wanted actual creative control and wanted to make it a Cheech and Chong movie. Good for Cheech and Chong! Yeah, so <laughs> they they passed on the film. And that's when Reitman turned to Bill Murray, who was just coming off his first season of Saturday Night Live. Murray insisted on bringing in Harold Ramis to tailor the script to their particular sensibilities. Ramis had been a performer and head writer on SCTV. He'd written both Meatballs and Animal House for Reitman. And he, of course, had written and directed Caddyshack, and this is, we're not going to get deep into this, but basically everybody who did anything funny in the 70s or 80s came out of one of these sort of three epicenters of American comedy at SNL. the time. SNL, Second City, including SCTV, mm-hmm. and National Lampoon. So that's, you know, all of these guys crossed over between all those things. That's where they came up. That's the tradition that we're talking about here. So let's let's talk a little bit about Bill Murray.
0: Okay.
1: So Murray, like John Belushi, who we discussed Several episodes ago, during our screening of the Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. is a son of Chicago. Yes. Or of the greater Chicago area, right. yeah, at least. <laughs> he was born in Evanston, he grew up in Wilmette, went to college at Loyola, and in fact, he was late to show up on the set for the filming of Stripes because he was just off following the Cubs around.
0: As one does.
1: As one does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In 1973, he joined Second City here in Chicago, where his older brother Brian Doyle-Murray was already a cast member. In 75, Ivan Reitman had produced an off-Broadway show called The National Lampoon Show, starring Belushi, Bill Murray, Brian Doyle-Murray, Gilda Radner, and Harold Ramis.
0: Pause. Has Gilda had any films? Does she do films?
1: Well, Gilda died no, I know she pretty died, early. But, oh, so
0: she never got had a chance
1: to No, do she, it. I mean, she made some films. Okay. Yeah. Um... I'd be hard pressed to think what Gilda's best film was, okay. but yeah, she. Because just
0: thinking about that boys' club and she's the one woman. That's yeah the sort well, of if, always always you wanna,
1: if you want to, if you want to get into that, right. you, um, Jane Curtin has been giving right. a lot of interviews lately talking yeah. about what a boys' club that yeah. was, and
0: so you hear about the guys sort of branching out and doing yeah. film and thing. But I, I couldn't remember if I'd ever actually heard that Gilda had any big star, sort of starring film roles or anything. But
1: that's a, f- a good point. <laughs> I think the women coming out of that tradition did not all fare as well as the men did, certainly. Okay, so yes, I would say... So, Reitman produced this Broadway, off-Broadway show... With all of these people out of that i think they all got to know each other that's when bill murray really got noticed and got invited to join saturday night live after Mm -hmm. chevy chase left um reitman went on from that to do national lampoon's animal house well he developed it they didn't let him direct it uh john landis directed it but he he developed that picture and then he and bill murray and harold ramus made a film called meatballs which i'm assuming you haven't seen it's a summer camp comedy it's Cute, it's very uneven. Uh, it's got some moments in it, mostly due to Bill Murray. Okay. Not something I feel obligated to put on the list and say that you have to see. I appreciate that. And then Murray made Caddyshack with Harold Ramis. And then Stripes was his third film. And really his first leading man, his first high profile mm-hmm. leading man role, mm-hmm. Meatballs, had been a fairly small film. Um, so this is the one that made Bill Murray a star. Okay. What's your experience with Bill Murray? How do you feel about Bill Murray?
0: I like Bill Murray as an actor, um, comedian. I was trying to think of the films that I've seen him in, and I think I've seen more later Bill Murray than Mm -hmm. I've seen early Bill Murray. So I've seen at least parts of Caddyshack. Have I seen all of Caddyshack?
1: If you haven't, we need to add it to the list immediately. I believe we've seen all of Caddyshack. I thought you had, which is why it wasn't on the list. Yeah, no,
0: we have. I watched it.
1: Now I'm. But see, this is what you do, is you lie to me.
0: we watched it. No, we totally did watch it. I remember watching it. Uh, okay. Uh, Tootsie, which we just watched.
1: Yes, which was a small supporting yes. part for Bill Murray.
0: Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors, Scrooge, mm-hmm. the illustrious Quick Change, which you made me watch. <laughs> I did
1: make you watch a vastly underrated Bill Murray movie.
0: Uh, And then I probably loved him most in Groundhog Day. That's probably my go-to. That seems
1: to be the quintessential Bill Murray Murray movie now.
0: But he also has this really awesome cameo in uh, Jim Jarmusch's Coffee and Cigarettes, Mm -hmm. where he plays against uh, RZA and Jizza from Wu-Tang Clan. And it's just such an odd, weird exchange, and it's very much that that sort of Bill Murray encounter that I feel like has become this sort of mythical ethos of his. Is like you come across Bill Murray in a place where you're not expecting to come Right. Exactly. Yes, he and takes great pleasure in that. You have some awkward exchange of like, and then you're just like, "Fuck!" He, was cra- that just Bill he crashes
1: Murray? weddings, and he, you know, these stories of him just walking by in the restaurant taking French fries right. off someone's plate, and then then saying to them, "No one's ever going to believe that this <laughs> happened when you tell them that kind of thing."
0: And so, it's, I, like, I don't know how he got there to be that sort of person. Because I feel like he has an interesting career as a comedian coming out of that sort of cohort mm-hmm. of folks. Of, like, doing this sort of frat boy humor to then doing some really sort of indie films like Broken Flowers. Yeah. And the, uh, he was in Rushmore.
1: The Wes Anderson the, the, films. Yeah, all,
0: you know, the, a bunch of the different Wes Anderson films. And then doing weird shit like, what was that, Zombie Land? Yeah, like, that, was weird... a,
1: <laughs> that was a great cameo playing um, on his right. own. Right. And now
0: he's just like this thing into himself. Yeah. So I think he just has had a, a really interesting career.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say is, I actually just read something. I think it was an interview with PJ Souls, who's in Stripes. And she said, Bill Murray was always like that. Mm. The only thing that's changed is social media. Yeah. So it's like those random Bill Murray encounters was something that he always did. Mm-hmm. And it just now now we can. people talk about it and it people spread it and That's grab their funny. cell phones and stuff. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He I mean, there's weird stuff in his resume. Like he after the success of Ghostbusters, he decided he wanted to do a dramatic role. Mm-hmm. He developed uh, Somerset Mom's The Razor's Edge into a film that bombed. That was his big dramatic turn. Mm-hmm. And then he just like took four years off from movie making. He went off to the Sorbonne to study philosophy and stuff for four years. Um, he has no manager or agent. And never has.
0: You just call Bill Murray directly?
1: You just call Bill Murray directly. (laughs) He has, supposedly, there's a voicemail box that he checks infrequently. And, you know, if someone can get in touch with him and actually connect with him, maybe he'll do your movie. (laughs) Apparently people complain all the time about not being able to reach him. Uh, Spielberg and Zemeckis wanted him to play the lead in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They couldn't get a hold of him.
0: Play what, what part?
1: The Bob Hoskins part. Really? Uh, yeah.
0: I actually don't think that would have been
1: <laughs>
0: good, but okay.
1: Um, he read for the role of Sully in Monsters Incorporated, oh. and Pixar offered him the part, but they never heard back from him, <laughs> and they just assumed he was turning them down after a while.
0: That's some privileged shit. I don't have <laughs> yeah, to answer
1: my phone. I don't. I don't even have that's to answer cool. my phone. And then I think this also explains how he ends up doing stuff like Garfield.
0: Garfield, right. right. That's the call you answered.
1: Which he has said his story, and you know, take it with a grain of salt, is that one of the writers on the Gar- the first Garfield movie is named Joel Cohen mm-hmm. with an H, mm-hmm. and he, oh, he s- has it was said a he thought it was a Cohen Brothers oh, movie. Dear. When he agreed to do it. Why the fuck would now, the corn Brothers It's be doing plausible Garfield? if you uh, if you realize that an agent or a manager probably would have clarified that <laughs> and made it clear. Bill Murray answering his own phone, you can uh, sort of see how that would happen.
0: But then you think a, a step further and you go, why would the Corn Brothers be doing Garfield?
1: Yeah, he apparently didn't think that far. Okay. And it still doesn't explain why he, he did, did the second one. Car- Garfield to A Tale <laughs> because of Two the Kitties. Garfield was nice. Yeah. That's
0: why. <laughs> right. That's why. Because he passed on that Pixar money and so he needed. That shit. That
1: <laughs> but all of this sort of speaks to what I think is, you know, the, the Bill Murray persona, which is just this kind of not giving a fuck mm-hmm. thing. A few years ago, The Guardian was running a series of articles entitled Why I'd Like to Be X, with various people explaining what character in films they mm. wanted to emulate or had wanted to emulate. That's a good question. Uh, film critic Ryan Gilby wrote a piece entitled Why I'd Like to Be Bill Murray in Stripes. And he tied it to his own misspent youth as an awkward slacker teen. And he called Bill Murray the perfect role model for a disaffected teenager. He wrote, I have a mental image of myself watching Stripes. I am sprawled, unwashed, on the sofa in my pajamas on a Saturday morning, sun pouring through the patio doors, leftover frosties hardening in my breakfast bowl, noon fast approaching, as my mother urges me to make the most of the day. Small wonder I felt a kinship with this lump of a man, with his oily skin, defeated posture, the eyes dazed and unfazed. And Gilby goes on to talk about how he was this kind of nervous, anxious teenager. Mm-hmm. And then said, one glance at Murray's face in stripes tells you that he would take many hours to understand the concept of stress and, after you'd finished explaining it, he still wouldn't really get it. So, while I saw in him a physical parody that made him a more realistic and attainable role model than, say, Indiana Jones or the Brat Pack Pretty Boys, there was also the aspirational quality inherent in any act of hero worship. I wondered what it must be like to be that sort of person, to amble and saunter and plod, to shrug and scoff, to not care.
0: So this is why women have to raise grown-ass men. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's like, because these are your fucking heroes, and then you become 30, 40-year-old something men, and we date you, and you're just like, what the fuck happened? Like, why are you still a child?
1: This is what we all wanted to be, Bill Murray. Exactly,
0: and that's a fucking problem, because then that means that we now have to spend time raising you over. And it instills in you this belief in failing up, which is... which.
1: To be white, fair, that, as a white, is, man. a
0: white man, then you absolutely have the privilege of failing up. But it's just like, <laughs> we got to start breaking this shit down, man. No, no. We don't get to just amble and Ooh, fuck off. We don't have to do shit. No. Because then we're homeless. And you know what? That's not fucking funny. <laughs> That's where the joke stops. That's when you become the cause for which, you know, Whoopi Goldberg is out there trying to raise money for you. And it's just not. You're not on stage. You're the cause. So I don't. Yeah. Okay. This is, this, this is what I'm talking about. I to say this is not my lane. It's not my lane. Because it's just looking at grown ass men who still need to be raised. That's all it is. But continue
1: No, no, I think that that brings us right exactly where we need to be to go watch Stripes Are you stuck in a dead-end job? We're going to be killed Oh no Just keep your hands Not on the killed. wheel and slow down Not no! Oh, Stop no! Personal problems got you down You can't go, all the plants are going to die well, the US Army can turn your life around. Before I knew it, she was walking next to me singing, do what did it did it dumb did it do. Join a whole new breed of professionals. Learn what it's like to feel like a man. Get your body into incredible shape. Muscles. I love those muscles. do it! Master important career skills. What are you gonna do with that? This and this. <laughs> Who's your friend? So Who's your buddy? So I am, aren't I? And represent your country in foreign lands. Gentlemen, we are in Germany! Yeah! So, if you're a man who likes to take charge of your own life... Boom! boom boom so am I to understand that you men completed your training on your own? That's the fact, Jack! Yeah. That's the fact, Jack! Yeah. And this looks like your kind of challenge... Lean killer! You're a lean, mean, fighting machine! I'll do it! ...join Bill Murray in Stripes... This could be the best experience of your life. What the?! <laughs> A surprise, party? I'll kill you! Whose idea was this? Boom! Boom, shag-a-lack-a-lack-a-lack-a. Boom, shag-a-lack-a-lack-a-lack-a. Boom. <pause> okay, during the break, Nikia and I watched Stripes. Nikia, most reviewers thought this movie was pretty dumb, but pretty fun. Mm hmm. Uh, Roger Ebert said Stripes is an anarchic slob movie, a celebration of all that is irreverent, reckless, foolhardy, undisciplined, and occasionally scatological. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Pauline Kael said the picture is just a flimsy thrown-together service comedy about smart misfits trying to do things their own way in the army. But it has a lot of snappy lines, the director Ivan Reitman keeps things hopping, and the performers are a wily bunch of professional flakes." Uh, Gene Siskel gave it a very good review, though he did say it was needlessly infantile. So, what did you make of Stripes?
0: I thought it was okay.
1: Just okay. Just
0: okay. I did not see classic comedy. Or at least it didn't strike me as one of the, you know, some of them, I'm like, okay, I get why this is sort of, has a place in what you called the canon. I don't really understand why Stripes has a place in the canon. I was a little bored, actually.
1: <laughs> it's a little baggy. Yeah. It's it's not a tight movie. No,
0: it is not. Yeah, I think there are a few sort of good lines, but I don't think there are enough of them to again warrant the sort of worship that this movie Well,
1: is. I mean, I don't I don't know that it's worshiped. It is remembered fondly, mm-hmm. I think if you were of a certain age mm-hmm. and a certain gender. Yeah. During the 80s, you probably quoted from this movie a lot. I know I did.
0: Okay. I didn't even think that there was that much to quote. There were maybe (laughs) a couple, two, three lines, but otherwise...
1: Almost every line in the first half of this movie, Mm -hmm. I think I heard quoted at various points during my teenage years in various situations. If you were playing poker, you quoted John Candy saying, uh, But that's me, I'm an aggressive gambler, Mm -hmm. Mr. Vegas. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, my older brother. Every single time you get in a car with him, he will say, "I just wish I hadn't drunk all that cough syrup this morning."
0: Yeah, those are classics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so terrible. you were just all the time born too late to appreciate this movie. I don't
0: know. That, I mean, th- there are films that were that predated me that you know
1: very I, few.
0: I do hear
1: you didn't like Caddyshack or Animal reference- House. I, again, but again,
0: I, as I said at the top of the show, I just don't think that this is my type of comedy. I don't think that
1: you. Barely got on board with like blazing saddles.
0: Well, that was mostly about Cleavon Little. Yes, so I know. That's...
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's talk about this movie. So let's talk about the the opening, the pre-army sequence here, mm-hmm. which I actually, to me, that's one of the best parts of the movie. And th- there is no denying that tonally, this movie is all over the place. Yes. That opening act before they join the army is one thing, and then there's all the training, the boot camp stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the last half hour of the movie, which, which shouldn't exist. is a whole other conversation yeah. we will get to. Mm-hmm. But just that that really bad day he has in yeah, the opening so of the movie. Yeah, we
0: meet John Winger and pretty much know everything we need to know about him. At the top, he parked his cab in front of a fire hydrant and then tossed the ticket into the street. He picks up two young guys who... To me, immediately look like they're gonna ride and dash. Like they are. just I mean, it's just, uh, like I feel like you should have that instinct of. You a should cab have driver. that that radar. And I'm not even a cab driver. I was like, oh, they're not gonna pay for this fare. Um, <laughs> and and they do. They uh-huh. uh, run out on his fare, and so he picks up this very ridiculous caricature of a rich woman <laughs> and her eighty thousand bags. Oh, I
1: thought that was a dog around your neck.
0: Yeah, and to take her to the airport, and then takes her on a pretty horrifying ride. <laughs> Um, where he's speeding and, you know, saying those famous lines that you mentioned. <laughs> um, and the whole way she's telling him that he's a bum and, you know, that's all he'll ever be. Yes. And so he stops the cab in the middle of traffic, <laughs> throws the keys in the river, and just sort of walks away from his job. And comes home to find that his car is being repossessed. And his girlfriend, with her boobs, is saying... <laughs> yeah.
1: Gratuitous 80s gratuitous boobs. boobs.
0: Is saying that she's done. Um, that you know.
1: This I think was the only character in the movie you related to. Well,
0: because she said the truth right at the top, which was like, "This shit ain't cute anymore." I need somebody who's actually going to grow with me. I like you,
1: but yeah, this isn't cute We're anymore. We're
0: not doing this anymore.
1: It's a little cute.
0: No, it's not at all cute.
1: <laughs> which I'm sure I've said that line to you. You
0: yes, that you, I did recognize that. Yes, again, I don't think it's worth watching the movie for that line. Um, but yeah, so she leaves him as she rightly should. Uh, and then we meet Zis. what the
1: hell? <laughs> Russell Zisky with Harold Ramis, the y- late great Harold Ramis. The
0: worst ESL teacher <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Who decides to use the do, do, do run run to teach English, which I don't know why you would choose that song. Um, well,
1: they were having fun,
0: they weren't learning, learn some
1: new tunes, have they, a great time. They ton. weren't
0: learning English, that was doing them a disservice.
1: It is funny that he says it's a five week course, and yeah. th- this was one week,
0: yeah, this so, was what
1: they learned in one week of the five week course.
0: We we know all we need to know about these two gentlemen pretty quickly,
1: <laughs> so uh, they uh, so you know, decide as one does, yeah, to join the army
0: after winger damn near dies doing five push-ups <laughs> says i need to get my shit together before i turn 30 which they're them being in their 20s is hard for me to believe because they both look
1: i like think they actually were in their 20s they
0: both look like they're creeping up on 40 um but okay <laughs> so
1: yeah he, he does look like
0: comedy is he's a had hard a rough life a yeah rough a, life. a rough time <laughs> So, which just adds to sort of the layer of absurdity of them going into the army, because I'm just like, aren't you like 40? (laughs) Um, But apparently they're in their 20s. So, yeah, they sort of decide on the lark, and in desperation, because their lives aren't really going anywhere, to go into the army, because it is known for, you know, fabulous travel and food and fun.
1: Yes, adventure. Mm
0: -hmm. So, we have them in the uh, recruiter's office, behaving as two people you wouldn't want in your army.
1: (laughs) Well, this is, okay, first of all, this is a reality of the army, which is that they'll pretty much take anyone. They will pretty much take
0: anyone. Yes, they will. Once, you know, we lost the draft, it was just like, okay, we got to take what we can get.
1: I mean, you know, Bush in the early 2000s actually lowered the standards for getting into the army, so that's just a frightening frightening idea.
0: Yeah, but so you have the, you know, the gratuitous homosexuality joke (laughs) and... No,
1: but we are willing to learn. Yeah, See, all of these lines are immortalized.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> convicted? No. Never never convicted.
0: hmm Yeah. Hilarious.
1: I think you just need to see this movie about 40 more times really and don't. really let it I sink really in. I
0: really don't. I got it. <laughs> okay. So then they're off to the army.
1: We're off to the army. We meet some of the other recruits in the bus depot. mm mm-hmm. uh, We meet the two surprisingly attractive MPs. Right.
0: Sean Young. Sean
1: Young and PJ Souls.
0: Who is fucking Norma from Carrie? She's fucking plug it up.
1: She is plug it up. Yes. <laughs> She's also uh, in Halloween. Halloween where that- I think she
0: shows her tits there, too. Yes,
1: she does. <laughs> <laughs> I, they, uh, they put out an extended version of this More tits. A, a few years ago, which you'll be happy to hear I did not make you watch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they actually cut out her nude scene in Stripes, Oh, which is surprising. So- they, they took out PJ Soul's nude scene.
0: Okay, interesting choice.
1: They also took out apparently a, and I did not watch it, a ten-minute subplot in which uh, Winger and Ziski like drop acid and end up on some mission to Columbia. I there was a whole weird subplot that they just that
0: sounds like that could be excising right there. from yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay.
1: But for those who want to seek that out, it's out there yeah. along with PJ Soul's naked boobs. Alrighty. Okay, so yes, uh, we uh, then we go to the Army base, mm-hmm. and this was actually shot at Fort Knox in Kentucky. The Army cooperated in the making of this movie. This was
0: excellent propaganda.
1: Apparently. And in fact, I did read that recruitment went up about 10% after this movie came out.
0: So again, Bill Murray teaching men of his generation the wrong lessons. It's like, I'm going to go in the Army and be like Bill Murray. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. that's not gonna. That's not how. I don't think that's work. how the Army works. It's not going to no, fly. It really isn't. But okay, you you go ahead and do that.
1: <laughs> okay, and uh we meet uh Sergeant Hulka, mm-hmm. who, you know, last week you talked about the cigar chewing drill sergeant. Right. You were you were picturing the black, the
0: black drill sergeant, right
1: cigar chewing drill sergeant.
0: Right. But he's not. He's no, a he's... grizzled old white dude. <laughs> um... Warren
1: Oates, he's a veteran actor mostly of westerns
0: mm. he has an energy about him mm-hmm. sure immediately takes a disliking to winger mm-hmm. because winger is the worst recruit on the planet <laughs> is very disrespectful and anti-authoritarian and likes to crack jokes because he's hilarious apparently and
1: you didn't think he was funny
0: i mean he was like funny in the way that like the smart ass kid in the back of your class is funny you're just like ah, ha, ha yeah okay do you give that kid a movie
1: absolutely like,
0: i don't know that you do I've seen... I think Bill Murray is very funny. I don't know that this was... This isn't my Bill Murray film. It's just not going to be. Because I didn't... It really was just like, oh, he's just a smartass and that's... So.
1: Isn't that what he always is, though?
0: Yeah, but I feel like he's been. he's better at it in some places, maybe. Okay. And this movie just did not... I, it really didn't click with me.
1: No part of it? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I can't say I'm 100% surprised by that, actually. I I confess I was not expecting you to love this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but, you know, let's go through it anyway here. Sure. So, okay, so then we're we're in the boot camp. We're, we're basic training.
0: We do the little troop Jury's meet and greet where yes. we meet the standard <laughs> army people that are in, like, every army. The sort of dumb kid from the south. He's always either from the south or from the midwest. Whose family, you know, has come... Through the army, and so he's mm-hmm. following in their footsteps. And this one is the dumb version because he thinks that there's still a draft, and there isn't. We I meet mean, Psycho. We meet Psycho, aka Francis, <laughs> who is obviously just there so he can shoot people. He's he's a problem. He will be a problem <laughs> <laughs> later on when he leaves the army. Um,
1: Lighten up, Francis. Yeah, uh,
0: Dewey Oxberger, played by John Candy, <laughs> who is in the army for free weight loss and aggression. <laughs> Training basically, and that's it. And then you know, we got Ziski and and Winger, Winger who likes to wear weird underwear, apparently, (laughs) for the ladies.
1: There's a lot of improv happening in these scenes, you could tell.
0: Yeah, (laughs) um, so then we get you know, standard basic training montage of that crew failing to do anything, (laughs) right? And more nudity. We meet John Larquette's character, who is the
1: Captain Stillman, the commander of the base,
0: Stillman peeping in on are they recruits or are they
1: does it matter they're just
0: lots of ladies shower (laughs) soapy ass showering (laughs) like i've never seen so much soap in my life
1: we know you guys like to lather up yeah for like mm -hmm. an hour apparently
0: and you and basically just the boobs (laughs) um so he's just peeping in on is it it
1: sarah silverman that has the line that if you take a shower with a man your boobs will be squeaky clean i have no idea
0: (laughs) I, I would not. That's, yeah. yeah, that's you guys have a, a singular focus, but yeah. So I don't know who those women are, but he seems to have a perfect view of their group shower space and just watches them for a good. Well, because the
1: windows are wide open. Right, in that I mean, because yes. it's just mm-hmm. like
0: they're basically outside, so that's like a, a good five minutes of the running time is just us watching these women shower through Skillman's eyes or Stillman's eyes. Um,
1: it, it was like ten seconds. It was a
0: long ass time. Because <laughs> I am deeply intimate with that one chick's boobs.
1: When when did movies stop putting in gratuitous nudity? Like, I don't think comedies made today just have gratuitous nudity.
0: Mm. I mean, I, I feel like they were still around for a while because I, I haven't seen... I feel like a lot of those sort of teen boy movies always had some aspect of just, like, objectification of the girls. Well, yeah, they did. So I don't know that that has stopped. I mean, they may not be showing full-on tits, but that's probably more about they want to be able to rate it a certain thing so that they can get more people in there than it is about...
1: Oh, you're right. That probably is what it is. Yeah. they're going for the PG-13 rating. Right. Like at some point, you can Yeah,
0: be PG-13 if you're, you know... Like you, we saw pubic hair.
1: Yes. So it's
0: like, so at some point there's a line where that's no longer PG-13. So that's probably what it is. I don't know that it's about oh we mature. Yeah,
1: no, no, I don't know. As an industry, no.
0: I just think you, if you want the largest audience, then you're gonna have to (laughs) find creative ways to go around doing that sort of thing.
1: All right. Do you want to uh, talk about the love story? What love story? What do you mean? What love story?
0: With the MPs? Yes. Okay. Here's my thing, and I don't like being this chick,
1: but... Oh, okay, you do sort of like being I really this chick. don't.
0: I really don't, because it does sound, you know, like, meh, but the quote-unquote roles for women in this film are fucking ludicrous. <laughs> like, you're either silent and naked mm-hmm. and just sort of dressing, or you are immediately in love with these two, again, <laughs> fucking useless dudes <laughs> who I just... Yeah, so it's two MPs play by, like we said Sean Young and what is her name? PJ? PJ Souls. So Sean Young and PJ, one blonde, one brunette. Fall in love immediately with Winger and Zisky. On multiple occasions, risk their damn jobs <laughs> to, you know, bail these two idiots out of whatever little scramble they got themselves into, including rescuing them from a mud wrestling club where they just came <laughs> from ogling women. Who, I, yeah. Anyway, so that is the quote-unquote love story. They are on duty to, like, monitor the general's house while he's out of town. Mm -hmm. The guys, of course, take full advantage of that and go on to defile the general's house with these women. (laughs) They should never use that stove again. Um, I mean,
1: who? The the Aunt Jemima treatment?
0: One, problem with that name. (laughs) Okay the antimima treatment that that does not it's not gonna you know get me going it's gonna we're gonna have to have a talk about some other stuff about
1: racist iconography about racist
0: ass iconography and the theft of you know black, yeah I don't
1: think I don't think uh, that was the point of that scene at all
0: uh black intellectual property uh-huh, yeah. um <laughs> And then Have you ever
1: had the Uncle Ben treatment?
0: Is it sexy for someone to like hit you with a spatula, <laughs> or use a rolling pin on you, or apparently scoop out your vagina with an ice cream scoop? Is that really what? And this again? So then we get men in relationships who do weird shit like that. I'm like, oh yeah, this is really gonna get her going. What the fuck are you doing with an ice cream scoop? That's odd. No, thank you. I'm no. Bill Murray did it. Really got her going. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a little cute.
0: It's no, it's not at all.
1: It's a little it is sexy. Not at
0: all. Not <laughs> it's at all. a
1: little romantic. It's
0: not romantic at all. <laughs> the implication was that he was scooping her vagina. I don't I don't understand how that's remotely sexy.
1: Apparently that entire scene was improvised as well. Of course it was, because so
0: nobody would write that down.
1: PJ Souls had to react to having yeah, whatever was going on with that ice cream scoop. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. But she's totally in love.
1: Yeah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. They have had about no conversations no, earlier in the film. No, but we yes. don't
0: know anything about these women other yeah. than they're MPs and apparently are easily swayed by boy, ch- boy men.
1: <laughs> you just went into this in completely the wrong spirit. I
0: went into this in the only spirit in which I could have. <laughs> so what I thought was the end.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, before you get to that, okay. did, did you want to talk about the mud wrestling scene at all? What
0: is there to talk about other than that was some fucked up misogynist shit? <laughs> You pay money to go into a wrestling a mud pit,
1: which was a thing briefly. It old mud wrestling thing. So it's this
0: combination of sexualizing women, fondling women, but then beating them up <laughs> as well for money. And so they send in OX with the aggression problems to wrestle like five of these women, and for a while they have him actually pretty under control. And then he like yeah, help, they're kind
1: of kicking the shit out of him. Helps actually
0: out, and his winning is apparently him taking <laughs> off their bikini tops.
1: Uh, yes. So that's when the the triumphant music kicks in is right. when he grabs when he all their bikini tops off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a problem with that?
0: Why would I have a problem with that? I
1: can't imagine. It's but hilarious. you I just, I'm looking at the look on your face, and it looks like you're, you know, sort of judging well, the film a little bit. And me, by extension. Well, I am. It's
0: just It explains a lot, and that's, you know, it's always good to sort of... It's like Jane Goodall studying the chimps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I see where this is coming from. Got it.
1: You now understand mm-hmm. my entire generation yeah. of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's not our fault.
0: And you think because you come out with a few quotes but you don't actually have the comic talent to even sell those quotes the way that they were originally sold (laughs) that you somehow (laughs) gained a personality and you and you haven't
1: you haven't that's harsh
0: you really haven't and you come with your ice cream scoop (laughs) and you wonder why women say you know what no thank you that's okay i'm gonna pass and if you're psycho, that storyline then gets very dark, <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and we're talking about you on
1: the. I'm days. sorry, you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of hope for Francis's post military career.
0: Francis has a lot of anger. Francis is someone who went into the army <laughs> to kill people. Those people tend to come out with that same bloodlust into the civilized world where that shit ain't cool. So they, you know, indulge in those.
1: You no, know, Francis learns some discipline and some some when does, order. When and,
0: does Francis learn discipline or order? You
1: no, know, and they all come out heroes. At the end of this movie
0: by doing nothing
1: <laughs> okay we're not there yet okay so
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so you were you were working towards graduation uh-huh. here which is the most famous most beloved scene in this film okay
0: love it. all right um <laughs> so after having fucked off what six weeks of yeah. <laughs> basic training they realize that they don't have what it takes <laughs> to graduate and they will have to do basic training over again So they try to cram six weeks worth of basic training into one night and they work through the night so much that they end up oversleeping and they wake up about an hour into graduation ceremonies. And then they put on this display of, I don't (laughs) know what that is. And it's basically like the big chill went to the army or something. Like it's just, oh, let's just stomp to some Motown or something and we'll just make it work. And they are a sloppy looking bunch.
1: They are they are the Mots. We've had Bill say- Murray's inspirational pep talk while they're training for this where he talks about the American Mott. Right. The Wretched Refuse. Kicked out of every civilized country in the world.
0: If there is one place where we don't or we're not supposed to celebrate mutts, it's in the fucking army.
1: But that's the myth. That's the movie myth, right? It's Top Gun. We saw the same thing. It's like the Maverick. Right, literally. But he was competent.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> but he knew how to do his job.
1: Now you're defending Maverick?
0: I'm not defending Maverick. I'm just saying if we're if we're Because you to- had
1: a lot of opinions about Maverick, Well, because too. Maverick...
0: Oh, I am not celebrating <laughs> either of these, these sort of archetypes. But I prefer competency over just complete disregard for your safety or the safety of the country that you were supposed to be defending. And the idea that they would be roundly applauded at an Army graduation for that sad-ass display. boom
1: chugga lugga, lugga, boom, chugga, lugga, right. lugga boom chugga lugga lugga boom chugga lugga lugga boom mm-hmm. That was a dazzling display it was not. of military prowess.
0: I could see better line formation <laughs> at a fifth-grade drill team practice. <laughs> So, I was unimpressed. But it gets them a special assignment.
1: <laughs> yes, they are the... Handling
0: this the super crack secret...
1: team that the general wants to head up the EM-50 project. In Italy. The urban assault vehicle. Yeah. Which is a tricked out Winnebago. Mm-hmm. As we do. Mm-hmm.
0: So, now we're in Italy. When the movie So, did you
1: think Graduation was I, the end of the movie? I,
0: I really did. And I stand by the fact that it should have been the end of the film.
1: This, I think, is the general consensus mm-hmm. about this film. Uh, I, did, I did actually come across a couple of reviews that went the other way, mm-hmm. and I don't know what those critics were smoking. Gary Arnold in the Washington Post thought the last act of the film was the best part. He said the premise and star remain out of whack until the rambling, diffuse screenplay finally struggles beyond basic training. And then he thought... Then the real movie kicked in when they went to Europe. Mm -hmm. Every other person, I think, on the planet thinks the opposite.
0: Because it's ridiculous. (laughs) The story is ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the film.
1: Uh, Okay, so uh, Davin Faraci at Birth Movies Death says, I feel like this movie is the ultimate example of terrible endings. But what makes Stripes special is that the first two acts are so good that you can kind of shrug off the turgid, unfunny, and directionless third act. The film is filled with incredible talent, and they make the first two acts of the movie a complete work of comedic brilliance. But not even the combined might of Warren Oates and Bill Murray could save the film once it heads to Europe and introduces the assault vehicle disguised as an RV. And then, so I read that article, and then in the comments of that article, mm-hmm. someone with the username Style92, I like to give credit where it's due, Made a comment that I think hits the nail on the head. He basically said that the ending of Stripes is like the unfunny sequel to Stripes. Mm-hmm. It's like Ghostbusters two, mm-hmm. but it's tacked onto the end of Ghostbusters one.
0: Okay, sure. And
1: I think that's true. I think if they had, if the first film had ended at graduation, and then they had made a Stripes two, that last half hour is what Stripes two would have been, and mm-hmm. everyone would have said, "That's just that's not as good as the first movie." Yeah. They kind of missed the point yeah. there. Yeah, it's really bad. You want to talk about boring, that last act is boring as shit.
0: Well, it's just all of a sudden they're like MI5 or something <laughs> where they are doing all this sort of tactical planning and and basically starting a fucking war with <laughs> Czechoslovakia. I'm just... It's
1: Czechoslovakia. It's like invading Wisconsin.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I just <laughs> I don't understand where it comes from. <laughs> I, I don't understand why other than they were like, oh, we got this Winnebago. We need to do something with it. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think if you if you look at all the comedies from that era, most of them end with some big scene Mm -hmm. where we're blowing stuff up, right? Animal House Mm -hmm. has the parade at the end where everything is just chaos and stuff is blowing up and car crashes and everything. Um, Caddyshack, they literally blow up the entire golf course Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie. I don't know why that was the formula, but that's what it seems to me was going on here.
0: Fire and tits.
1: That's a very reductive view of, and yet the male movie fan. True,
0: sadly. So okay. So then this is what happens when we go through your id: is we get <laughs> shitty ass third acts where we gotta blow some shit up. It's not good. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, they go and fuck up Czechoslovakia for like just just because. Um,
1: well, the Russians had already fucked up Czechoslovakia, but, so this is. You but that know.
0: doesn't make what they did okay. <laughs> And they shot a lot of people. So but okay.
1: There there's a there's a uh, surprising absence of blood and death in that yeah. though. Like we see people get blown up but they just sort of yeah. fly and they, look, they they land and they yeah. they're probably okay. I don't think they are. I don't I don't know if anybody actually gets killed. We can show tips, but we can't show blood.
0: Um, yeah, so these two geniuses are in charge of watching the M E M fifty Which, poor decision-making on someone's part. Because they obviously are going to take it and go to Germany to visit their... Yes,
1: where the two MPs from Fort Knox have have been transferred for some reason, conveniently. because that happens.
0: (laughs) Um, And they just go along with... Again, these are MPs. We're like, yeah, we're totally going to get into this stolen, expensive-ass piece of military equipment with you and just do a little rendezvous. Yeah. Um, Well, they're in
1: love, so, you know.
0: Again. I just can't. Um...
1: I think it's really the decision-making of the women that you're questioning here. It's not the men.
0: Oh, I'm... No, it's the writing of the man of these women. (laughs) So, yeah, they, like, go to some hotel in Germany or something to have sex, and then there's this... The commanding officer, Stillman, is that his name? Yeah. I don't care. (laughs) and <laughs> he takes the rest of the platoon to find this to very, go looking
1: for them right, right and they before the army actually finds right. out they're missing that's the yeah
0: they accidentally end up in czechoslovakia instead of germany and so they are captured and so Ziski and winger and their two mps have to go on a rescue a mission. a rescue mission yes and that's when they become super competent <laughs> and are able to free their buddies well they do
1: have a Heavily armed recreational vehicle have, at their disposal,
0: right? Which has a manual that apparently they could read, which is that's impressive. Um, but even Bill Murray's like doing like a little bit of hand-to-hand combat and shit. Like, where well, you could have just did that in basic training. We, we
1: haven't seen that. Yeah. 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 So well, and, they actually learned something in whatever. basic training. So
0: they save them, <laughs> and they have they they return to America to a hero's welcome.
1: Yeah, which is a weird thing when you think about it. Yeah. Because what are the what are the what's being celebrated here? What's the official narrative here right. that leads to a big hero's welcome and a parade and exactly. everything? That Stillman went and got captured somehow, and they went and rescued him, even though it they was their fault. Supposed to be right. They were out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly what the official no, narrative is here. Because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter.
0: That Does, shouldn't it though?
1: Ox is on the cover of Teen Beat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> PJ decides to go and pose for Penthouse. For Penthouse, yes. That's what mm-hmm. you do. Yep. And then we get little, yeah, little blurbs about, you know, what everyone, which is also an 80s thing of like.
1: What happened to everybody, what happened yeah. After mm-hmm. the film. Yeah.
0: And then it's the end. And <laughs> I was happy that it was over.
1: <laughs> I, see, I think your problem is that you were not a 12 year old boy.
0: I'm that I am thankful. If you could
1: try to be 12-year-old more boy. like a 12 year old boy Mm-mm. in the early 80s, Mm-mm. I think you would appreciate films like this a lot more than you do. That
0: is quite all right.
1: <laughs> so here's a question. Okay. Our hypothetical 12-year-old son. No. You didn't even know what I was going to ask. Will he watch this? (laughs) Yes. No. (laughs) Why not? Because
0: there is absolutely nothing (laughs) for him to get from this. No. There's better Bill Murray. There's better 80s films. There are No. Just so he can say, I'm a little cute. (laughs) No. And so here's the thing. I think the most important job of a parent is to not raise an asshole. (laughs) So whatever you need to do to not raise an asshole, particularly boys, that's what you do. And I would not want my child thinking that Bill Murray in Stripes was his personal hero.
1: Am I an asshole?
0: Sort of. Sometimes, yeah. (laughs)
1: That's way harsh. All right. Well, if I am, it's not my fault. It's because I watch these movies.
0: See, that's not... That was corrupted by the culture. No, no. That's like saying, oh, I don't know this piece of history because they didn't teach it to me in school. Your responsibility is to learn things on your own.
1: Uh, and, and any other thoughts about this film anything any scenes we didn't talk about that you would like to discuss
0: there's nothing about this movie i want to discuss <laughs> They had a nice-ass apartment for being broke.
1: Uh, Bill Murray's apartment? Yeah, yeah it was pretty, pretty nice. It was a good space. Basketball hoop and everything, so...
0: Well, no, not the basketball... Again, man-child. <laughs> not the Which is another
1: 80s thing. <laughs> Fletch had one, too. You haven't seen Fletch, but Chevy Fletch Chase Fletch. had a basketball hoop in his yeah. apartment in Fletch, too.
0: Because white boys like to think that they can dunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're a little lower than mm-hmm. regulation, yeah. those ones. Yeah, and Bill yeah. Murray
0: was using the wall <laughs> to get up to that hoop,
1: but okay. I actually Coming back to that, I actually think the opening of the film is the best part to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I kind of wanted to watch that movie mm-hmm. um, and it's you make fun of me for liking quick change but quick change is just Bill Murray having a really bad day yes, yes. and that's just funny yeah. he just has that hangdog look and mm-hmm. his just you know his reaction to just everything going wrong that can possibly go wrong yeah. is funny and that's what the opening 20 minutes of this movie are and then it just it takes more cartoonish turns right. every time the plot changes um, what else didn't we talk we haven't talked about the relationship with Sergeant Hulka what about it? It's a very meaningful, powerful relationship between he and he and Bill Murray. He punches him in the stomach. <laughs> yes. In a scene that is actually surprisingly serious, that's actually a scene that apparently Bill Murray had to fight to keep in the movie because mm. people thought it was too serious. Mm-hmm. Where Sergeant Hulk was, you know, trying to say it's about discipline and honor and courage and all of that and shit that you don't care about. You just right. make fun of. And right.
0: And then he punches him in the stomach.
1: Well, yes. Somebody had to.
0: No, I appreciate it. That was a nice movie. I respect that.
1: I think your takeaway from that scene should be if you have to, if you're going to take a swing at somebody, take your hands out of your pockets. Yeah. Don't he's standing there, he's got one hand in his pocket and then he swings with the other hand. It's a bad way to punch well, somebody. Well,
0: half-asses everything. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to hit you. <laughs> and so he sort of swings in a half-ass way. Stance is all fucked up. He's all His whole fucking torso is open. He's just not. <laughs> no. But again, comes home a hero. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this is that thing you were saying before about failing up.
0: Right. Blew off all of basic training. Mm-hmm. You go to Czechoslovakia and save. Blunder
1: in and, yeah.
0: And then you come home a hero.
1: This is American individualism. This is American ingenuity. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, the spirit of...
0: The white boy. (laughs) So here's the thing about that. Is that (laughs) it's this weird fascination with being the underdog, but still wanting your shit. Uh, Still wanting your accolades and wanting the reward.
1: Of course. So it's that's a, that's the American success story. Celebration you just of there.
0: not having to try, but I get all my shit mm-hmm.
1: just by virtue of personality right. and spirit, pluck. Isn't isn't that how the world works?
0: Not for a lot of people.
1: You're not gonna come around on this one, are you? I'm
0: Really not? No, I'm no. <laughs> really not. No, I just don't, I did not find it very funny.
1: Did you find any of it funny?
0: Again, in that sort of. Oh, that's
1: funny. <laughs> did you actually laugh no. at any point during this movie? I did not, no. Okay. Do you have the capacity for laughter, I do you, do. Think? Do you feel I do. Like I love to laugh. Do you feel like you're I'm capable like of finding joy in things? Yeah,
0: but this wasn't it. <laughs> really was
1: <laughs> I didn't talk you into this. You needed this. That's our show, and we want to thank you for listening. Next week is the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States, and, owing in part to the appalling lack of good Thanksgiving movies, Nikki and I are taking the week off. But we'll be back the week after to close out November, or, as they're calling it on Twitter, Noir November, with a film noir femme fatale double feature, Billy Wilder's Double Indemnity from 1944, and Lawrence Kasdan's Body Heat from 1981. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at FreeRangeCritic, or leave us a review on iTunes. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. I think our kids are going to watch Stripes. I'm going to sit them down. We're going to watch Stripes. We're going to watch Caddyshack. We're going to watch Animal House. Why? Because they're funny.
0: They're other funny Because the
1: kids are going to need to learn a little irreverence. You... A little healthy irreverence. I'm... Because you take everything way too seriously. I do
0: not take everything too seriously. I ask important questions like, where are the black people?
1: <laughs> there were a couple. Right. Black guys help the white guys.
0: Yeah. Teach us rhythm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I ask, why do I need to see so much pubic hair in a comedy? <laughs>
1: It wasn't that much pubic. It was, it was not wall to wall pubic hair. It was. It was wall to wall. A few tits. fleeting glimpses.
0: Okay. You know, these. Are, I just. I just ask questions. I don't. That's. I and mean, these are important questions. Why do you find this funny?
1: <laughs> I feel like you think less of me now. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We probably shouldn't do this anymore.
0: Probably not.